Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. How to marry revival and transformation. I really want to try to hit this one hard today, but a good friend of mine, actually, her name is Michelle Pexa, Fred and Michelle Pexa. Uh, Michelle shared a very interesting dream that she had a number of years ago that really was prophetic in nature for what was coming and what we know we're in now. And it was a wedding ceremony that she observed. And there was a bride and groom, and it wasn't Jesus and the church. In fact, Jesus was the minister. He was the one marrying the two. And what were the two? Well, they were revival and transformation. Wow, what a great dream. <laughs> because it proves the, the two-sided coin that we need to have come together to see really nations discipled and the Great Commission fulfilled, to see transformation. Some people call it reformation, and you have different terms terminology. But when we talk about revival and transformation and how to marry the two, the things of the prophetic and the visions and images and dreams and and wisdom that God gives from heaven actually requires us to put legs to. We actually are to take the what God is envisioning and dreaming and we are to make it happen in the physical world. So what does it look like to put legs to revival and transformation? What does that look like for you in your home or at your workplace or whatever sphere of influence you're called to bring the kingdom to? What does that look like for you as pastors and churches? How do we marry the two? Human nature really is to choose one or the other and be extreme in one and unsure or even you know, on the offense about the other, but it's tremendously powerful when the things of the kingdom can come together and the balance of closing the gap, hear me now, the balance of closing the gap between revival and transformation, walking in that partnership is not easy to do. Why? We love revival. When you get into a place of revival culture and great services and you've got more people showing up at the building and services are going long and offerings are big and Holy Spirit is moving, well, who wants to do anything more than that? (laughs) We just want to camp there and just do that until the sweet by and by comes. But in actuality, God wants to do that and another side of the coin, which is the beyond the four walls, the transformation of society. Really what this looks like is when revival and the things of the spirit and the kingdom are able to become systemic within a culture in such a way out there beyond the four walls that the society itself or the nation itself begins to reflect another nation, really reflect the kingdom of heaven. So we've got to get it out there. So how do you marry the two? And the marriage of it is so important because we want it to be a greater than Azusa Street, which was come, get filled up with God, get revived, and then go out into the streets and the nations in an organized way and and reach people and transform society. This means that we have to really make inside the four walls of the church, we need to make pursuing the presence of God a number one priority. Having him visit us, openness for him to move in the services as he wants. 
We also, within the four walls of the church, need to be equipping people. We need to help them to be not only discipled, but to be equipped in what their calling is, their skill set, how to bring the kingdom into their sphere of influence. That needs to be happening inside the building. And then they need to be sent out in an organized way. I say organized way for a reason. Those throughout history and anyone who has ever brought transformation to society, they did it through organized groups of thoughtful, committed citizens. Even small groups. It's always been small groups that have transformed and impacted and shifted culture. This means that we have to take our church members and not just send them out to do evangelism, as good as evangelism is, but evangelism alone is not actually enough to transform a society. It's enough to get people saved wherever people go, but it's not enough to affect the seven spheres of influence to such a degree that culture shifts. So when we talk about the Great Commission and discipling a nation, that's more than just evangelism. That is literally seeing transformation by the sending of people into society in an organized way to occupy territory. Evangelism is go out and come back with some souls that you've seen reached. Occupying territory is about strategically setting up tangible products, ministries, programs, social works in the community that have a home base and they, they take up room. <laughs> and you increase your engagement with people in the community because you're out there with a program, a solution, a product, a, a ministry, a, an event, and whatever it is, you're out there in society. So the idea is to pursue the presence inside the church, equip believers inside the church, and then send them in an organized way to occupy territory. And as you take more territory, you begin to baptize that that area. You begin to disciple people. The social program or the ministry you set up is just a covert way of, of the church having a presence in the community. Now when we talk about revival and transformation, what we're actually merging together, what we're actually marrying is spirit and principles. <laughs> now I, I'm just questioning whether to go deep into this right now, but but I think, let's take a stab at it. You know, the Bible says in John that the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth, the principles, were given through Jesus Christ. Essentially, Jesus Christ carried the totality of the kingdom, both revival and the truth that transforms society. Now, when we talk about grace, I've come to understand that grace is so much more than a prayer we pray at the table or you know, God's unmerited favor. It is all that, but grace is actually, or it could be defined in this way. It is the, the supernatural power of God flowing in and through a human being. The Bible says we've been made partakers of the divine nature, the God nature. When God gives his grace, it's literally his super nature coming upon our nature. <laughs> it's so powerful. So when we got saved, we, we got saved by grace. It was the grace of God. When we flow in prophecy, it's the grace of God. When we cast out demons, when, when we do anything supernature, supernatural, it's actually the grace of God, divine power flowing through us. When a revival touches your, 
your church or your city or your life. It's, it's more grace, Lord. It's the grace of God, the favor of God on us. But then Jesus didn't just come with grace. He married grace, the supernatural, with truth. You see, Jesus didn't just go around performing signs and wonders. He also spoke truth. Truth has tremendous power in bringing the kingdom to a society and transforming it. So there are times when it's totally applicable to perform signs and wonders out there beyond the four walls. Then there are also times when maybe that wouldn't be the way Holy Spirit would lead you, but instead you would speak truth. You would infuse truth into a situation. One great example of this is the truth of why abortion is so wrong and we're to disciple and teach them to observe, the Great Commission says. Abortion is wrong because you're killing a human life. What is the lie that society has bought into? Well, it's the lie that a, a baby, while in its mother's womb, is not a human being. That's where we need to come with truth. If we want to really marry revival and transformation, you might not be able to lay your hands on everybody in that university, but you might be able to get up at the podium and speak the truth. And the reality is, where does truth come from? The Word of God. And we see this when, when uh, John uh, leapt, you know, John and Jesus were in their mother's wombs and there was the leaping of the, the human baby. Why? Because a baby is alive and is a person inside the mother's stomach. <laughs> in fact, John was filled with the Spirit. You know, that's the truth. And where do we find truth? We find it in our kingdom constitution, the Holy Bible. <laughs> so when we marry grace and truth, we are marrying the supernatural, the supernature that we carry, and we're marrying it with the truth that changes nations. It's actually the truth when it becomes systemic in a society that transforms a nation. Signs and wonders on their own are not enough. Even just great things happening at your building are not enough. We as kingdom carriers must go into every sphere of society we got filled up at the church, we're revived, now we've got to take the truth, take the spirit of grace, and also take truth into our sphere of influence and, and enforce or influence, bring truth and, and, and make it a tangible, make it a product, make it a curriculum, make it a book, make it a social program, make it a ministry. I'm so excited about many of our graduates because they have no problem getting revived and filled up at our local church, but when they go out, they've got ministries that they have created and even charities. They don't necessarily mention Jesus or revival fire, but they're using the principles of the kingdom. One particular woman, Aisha Francis, a graduate of our History Makers Academy, she created a program that rehabilitates families broken and, and impacted by one, of the, one spouse being incarcerated. This particular program is based in kingdom principles that are enough to solve the family problem. <laughs> she doesn't need to just try to get the family out to the revival, which would be great. She goes to them with this curriculum and this program that's rooted in kingdom principles that heals the family and ultimately can heal society. It's so powerful. Another man, he created a program for seniors, and he's not overtly using the name of Jesus in certain settings. Sometimes he is, but in many cases, 
He's just going by the principle. In fact, his program, Budding with Seniors, is founded on the principle of honor thy father and thy mother, one of the Ten Commandments. He believed that if he could help our culture and society honor, uh, this, honor its seniors, there would be a commanded blessing that would come upon the society. And I can give you nations, <laughs> if this video wasn't going so long. Venice is a good example, you know, where they have prospered because they set up certain systems and, and, and uh, social work to help and bless the seniors of their society. And because of that, there's all kinds of blessings, tangible blessings, we see that are happening in that society. This is so exciting. It's all about marrying revival and transformation. So, Pastor, I would encourage you, as your people are getting filled up, as they're getting touched by God, begin to help them to create, how can we package this and get you to bring this out there? What's your skill set? What are you passionate about? What ministry would you like to start out there? How would you like to solve a societal problem? How would you bring a solution to a societal problem? What kind of charity could you develop? And when that thing gets out there, you begin to see the truth infuse society and you have both revival and transformation, both grace and truth. This is so powerful. When you understand that the principles of the kingdom, the truth, the principles of the kingdom have such power to change a nation. It's why the Bible says righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness causes a nation to prosper. I'll give you one more example, even though this video is getting a little long, but Japan, prior to World War II, when you would buy a product from Japan, you kind of knew that you were getting something that was maybe made cheaply. It looked good on the outside, but it might not last too long. And the motto, and I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing from memory here, but the motto of the nation at that time was something like, only fools do things the right way. Only fools do things right. What this philosophy meant was if you could cut corners and even act deceptively and you'd be able to prosper, aren't you the wiser person? If you're somebody that can cut corners and manipulate and, and get ahead and maybe even deceive someone else to get ahead, aren't you the wiser? Well, after World War II, something dramatic happened to the Japanese economy because American philosophy and Christianity really began to come into Japan in an unprecedented way. The Japanese changed their motto to something along these lines, and you'll get it. It's truth. Remember, Jesus came with grace and truth. And it was this, do to others what you would want done to you. It was, again, Schneiderian paraphrase here, but do to others what you want done to you. As soon as the nation embraced that truth, whether there were revival in their churches or not, that kingdom principle began to bless the nation. <laughs> and that's the power of the kingdom is there are people who aren't even believers and they're taking advantage of the blessing of the kingdom. It's so exciting. And so the Japanese began to see one of the fastest growing economies they had ever seen since they embraced the truth of that kingdom. This is the power of marrying revival in our churches and, and in our society with the truth, transformation, that literally transforms a society into the image of God's kingdom. And we see Jesus is enthroned in that society. Whew, this has been a moment.
Thanks for listening to Transformation Generation Podcast. If you liked what you heard, visit historymakersacademy.com to enroll in one of our cutting-edge trainings. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, History Makers TV, or download our History Makers Society app today. Today.